My name is Dan. Welcome to the Passive Income Doctor podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast is for entertainment purposes. Nothing here is financial advice. Please speak to your trusted professional advisors. Views expressed by podcast participants are solely their own. Today for the last episode for 2023, we're going to be talking about predictions regarding the property market for next year and also some predictions about healthcare and healthcare costs as well. So first part, let's talk about property. So um, some of you are part of my Facebook group where we talk about property investing for healthcare workers and earlier this year I posted up a graphic by SQM um, which is a respected group in Australia. They talked about four scenarios and scenario one being their base case where they predicted interest rates peak no higher than 4%, inflation peaks 8%, then falls back to 5%, unemployment rises um, but stays below 5%. And in this scenario, property prices would rise 5 to 9%. So how accurate was this? Well, the cash rate kind of um, has peaked um, this year at 4.3%, I believe. And there's still a possibility of um, one or two more rate rises early next year. But the consensus is that we have reached the top of the rate tightening cycle. Um, Inflation, the latest quarterly figures show it has kind of reduced. And unemployment is on the rise and likely to rise next year. But overall, it's, you know, not like, um, you know, 10% or anything like that. So the CoreLogic 1st of December 2023 information release talked about overall a national annual property price rise in Australia of 7%. So combined capitals 8.2% and combined regionals 3.4%. The regionals performed very strongly kind of in the COVID and the years after, but I guess kind of pulling back now after the strong performance so looking at the individual capital cities, we saw Sydney going up 10.2%. However, this is off the back of quite a steep decline um, in 2022 where, you know, anecdotally some of the markets been watching dropped as much as 15%. So in a way you could say 2023 is making up for the losses in 2022. Melbourne up 3%, so not as um, strong as Sydney. Maybe it's lagging a bit. Brisbane, 10.7%, again after a weaker 2022. Adelaide, 7.6%. A Perth whopping 13.5%. Hobart, minus 3%. Darwin, minus 1.5%. Canberra, minus 0.3%. So looking at 2024, you know, I guess we should break down, you know, what are the factors that will contribute to what house prices do. Overall, there's still very low stock. Um, you know, a lot of sellers, you know, don't want to sell unless there's something to buy. And then if they don't sell, I guess there's less stock being released to the market, causing this kind of vicious cycle. Another thing contributing to low stock is lack of building approvals. Um, historically low levels um, so obviously, you know, house and land packages in the outskirts or high-rise apartments, 
might not necessarily make the best investments, but they do add um, to demand. And in previous, you know, kind of 2015 up to 2017, lots of foreign investors, especially buying off-the-plan apartments, um, which has really dried up in recent years. The cost of construction is still quite high. So this is cost of materials, building materials, and also labor as well. I guess there's also fear and less appetite to contract brand new with lots of construction companies, you know, going broke, um, which has been the media kind of pretty consistently over the last year. A factor that might dampen property prices growth is unemployment. Overall, it's still relatively slow, but it is rising. And um, we're already in a per capita recession. And I think overall the soft landing that the RBA was hoping for is looking less and less um, likely. So whether we enter a technical recession or a proper recession, I think um, the economy will be challenged in 2024. So I guess, you know, if we do enter a recession, one tool the RBA can use is to reduce the cash rate, which will mean reducing interest rates as well. Um, you know, lots of um, households there are struggling and also as well, you know, government and businesses, you know, their interest rate bills have risen dramatically as well. Um, so I think interest rates, you know, the consensus is out there that we're at the peak or near the peak of the rate rising cycle. Um, some predicting maybe one more rise. Um, but overall, lots of economists, big banks are saying interest rate cuts in 2024 I guess when exactly is the million dollar question. A lot of people are saying probably towards the end of 2024. Population growth is uh, factor four, continual capital growth. 500,000 or so people have um, immigrated to Australia from September 2022 to September 2023, which is um, a very, very high number. Uh, Obviously, during 2020, it was kind of um, almost zero given the closed borders. Borrowing power has been massively affected with the high interest rates. I guess a lot of people at the moment will be paying about 6%, 6.5%. When you go to purchase another property though, um, the banks have to assess it at 3% higher, the assessment rate buffer of 3%. So basically the banks are stress testing whether you can, if you're paying 6.5%, the banks are testing whether you can afford the repayments at 9.5%, which is probably a little bit excessive, um, especially if the consensus out there is that interest rates are close to the peak. Um, You know, already some banks, when refinancing existing loans over instead of using a three percent buffer they're using a one percent buffer so um APRAS who, who's in charge of these regulations i guess possibly might relax the assessment rate buffer so putting it all together property has had a good 2023 and 2024 should be a positive year for Australian property 
So switching gears a bit, I guess let's talk about um, healthcare. You know, we'll talk about the recent, um, well, not that recent anymore, 2023-2024 federal budget, um, some trends in terms of um, healthcare spending and what um, might happen in the future. Um, obviously, being a general practitioner myself, also touch on some of the trends there as well. So health expenditure um, is a sizable portion of the budget. 2021-2022, governments funded $176 billion of the total health expenditure, um, which was about 72.9% um, with non-government sources funding the remaining $65 billion or 27.1%. Of this total government funding, the Australian government contributed $105.8 billion, with state and territory governments contributing $70.2 billion. So you can see the federal government contributes um, a sizable amount. It would be mainly for Medicare. Um, as we know, um, states are responsible for funding hospitals. What was interesting from the Australian government website is um, the total Australian government spending throughout specific COVID-19 Department of Health and Aged Care programs. Um, so up to 2021-2022, it was estimated to be $20 billion. Um, so what was this distribution? So 44% or $5.4 billion was on COVID-19 vaccinations. Um, this included access to delivery of these vaccines. 31% or $3.8 billion was on COVID-19 related medical services. So this would have been on, you know, the vaccine suitability assessment services um, through uh, Medicare as well as other um, services as well. And then 9.2% or $1.1 billion was on COVID-19 testing, mainly through Medicare-funded COVID-19 testing, um, this also apparently included um, the rat tests or rapid antigen tests as well. So in the 2023 to 2024 budget, um, I guess the main thing um, or announcement was this triple of the bulk billing incentive. Now, I guess a lot of people thought, you know, it's um, uh, tripling of uh, Medicare payment altogether, but it's it's actually the incentive payment, which I'll explain. So usually um, not all patients are eligible for this bulk billing incentive. You know, so standard consultation when seeing a GP would be, um, I think now it's about $41. And in the past, um, for certain cohorts such as children under 16, pensioners, Commonwealth, concession card holders, um, there'd be an extra kind of $6 bulk billing incentive. So 41 plus 6 is about $47. So they've tripled that $6 um, or $6.50 or whatever. So now it's, I think, just under $20. So 41 plus 20 is 61. So this may slow down the rate of private billing for these cohorts, but to be honest, um, anecdotally, a lot of general practitioners and clinics already see as 
no, too late. You know, the Medicare rebate has been frozen for many, many, many years. And many clinic consultation fees are already kind of 80 to $90, um, in some areas, even $100. So for the general practitioner and the clinic, um, so you remember GPs are sole traders, self-employed. Um, the clinic also has lots of costs as well. So for them, instead of accepting, say, 80 $90, to accept $61, overall it's still a reduction. Looking into 2024, you know, there's still ongoing inflation, you know, higher staffing costs, which won't go, go back down, electricity, which has gone up, consumables, rent. Um, overall, I think clinics are likely to continue to increase consultation fees, partly to recoup um, a lot of these rising costs and providing um, primary care. I think also there's unlikely to be a reversal in the trend of, um, you know, unfortunately decline of general practice being a specialty of choice for um, junior doctors. So um, the RSACGP um, and also some other sources talk about, you know, 15% of medical students choose general practice when decades ago it was 50%, which is a huge drop. I guess more GPs um, are noticing, you know, increasing burden of chronic disease. So, um, you know, people are living longer, but then obviously accumulating more chronic disease, um, which, you know, doesn't really lend itself to, um, you know, kind of five-minute medicine um, you know, so consultations uh, taking longer um, and the Medicare rebate hasn't kept up. Also as well, there's other challenges as well, you know, longer specialist wait times, um, certain specialties more than others. So often GPs have to manage a patient as best they can until they get an appointment with a specialist and obviously this is more acutely felt in regional and rural areas. Also as well, non-GP specialist average incomes are much higher, especially if you just Google, you know, kind of taxable income Australians or Australian doctors, um, uh, you can have a look there yourself. So the recent federal budget also talked about new national lung cancer screening program for at-risk Australians. Um, so obviously this is interesting. Obviously, any times there's a screening program, it's important to weigh up um, uh, the, the benefits and the risks or harms. So, you know, all screening programs um, carry element um, of harm risk, especially, yeah, by definition, you're looking at a population which um, doesn't have any symptoms. So it'll be an interesting um, area I'll be watching with interest. The budget also included announcement of $91 million to commence the establishment of an Australian Centre for Disease Control. Um, I guess COVID might have highlighted um, kind of the desire or need for this. You know, in America has CDC, Centre for Disease Control. It's kind of like a national kind of centre. While, um, yeah, Australia um, didn't have it during COVID. It was kind of the individual state health departments um, kind of putting policies and um, announcements together.
telehealth is another um, area. So there were initially Medicare telehealth item numbers were introduced temporarily during COVID, but it looks like it's here to stay. Um, you know, there's lots of talk about telemedicine and rural health, you know, potentially reducing barriers, um, increasing um, equity, for example, um, if there's lack of certain specialties, if the specialists working in major cities and kind of do um, telemedicine consultations with regional rural, um, you know, there's pros and cons of telehealth. Obviously, it's more difficult to examine, um, but I guess... Perhaps the thinking is that um, telehealth is better than, you know, zero access or delayed access. Finally, today in terms of healthcare, we'll talk about private health insurance. So there was a drop off in, especially in younger people dropping their membership in private health insurance over the last couple of years. Um, apparently, it's kind of reverse. 55% of Australians now have private health insurance. And I guess um, private health insurance, you know, one of the advantages is certain elective procedures are done much quicker in the private sector or private hospitals than in the public. This could include hip and knee replacement, cataract surgeries. Check out one of the early episodes I did titled Australia and Private Health Insurance. Recently, the private... Health insurance, we're asking the government for approval to increase premiums um, averaged by 6%. You know, obviously they're citing um, inflation, things like that, but then obviously government's pushing back, um, citing, um, you know, high-ish uh, profits by the private health insurance. So private health insurance payouts have increased 10.4% in the 12 months to September 2023. Um, so watch this space. So today we talked about what the future may hold for property and also for healthcare in 2024. Predicting future is difficult. Nobody knows for certain what, you know, property prices will be in a year's time or, you know, what government funding and their priorities might be or might change. But I guess we can focus on what we can control, you know, kind of how we spend our hours, our um, improving efficiency, gaining new skills at work, um, increasing income, investing, you know, looking after our own physical health as well, whether it be eating well, going to the gym, going for a run, um, sun safety also important as well. And yeah, obviously in this podcast, we talk about financial health. Healthcare workers have relative job security. And I think with some saving um, hard work, discipline, and also self-education. Um, you can invest and set yourself up for financial freedom. And um, yeah, I think having positive uh, listener feedbacks, I'm glad that people have, you know, take away little nuggets or sparked their interest in investing from this podcast, and I hope to continue to do so. Going into 2024, there still be some fear about, you know, what interest rates are doing, you know, news um, talk about recession. But I think this could represent a good time to take action in regards to investing. You know, they're saying, talking about the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. Uh, sorry, 
20 years ago, something like that. And then the second best time is today. So I guess from wherever point you're starting from, you can always um, take action now and see how you can improve your circumstances. So I hope you and your loved ones enjoy the festive season. Um, I hope you take time to reflect and plan your goals for next year. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please take a moment now to hit the subscribe button and share the podcast because this will help others benefit also. So until next time, keep taking steps to improve your financial health. Thank you.